no driving gloves. We're a combination of gearheads. John, the instigator. Derek, the conservator. Will, the builder. Sean, the racer. And maybe a guest. Invite you to listen while they sit down, have a drink, and discuss cars. Subscribe to the podcast with no driving gloves. Time now for the ride. No maybe about it tonight. Looks like we do have a guest. Um, Good evening. One of our shows a few weeks ago, Derek and I threw out there. I don't know if it was really planned, but we threw out there that if any listeners wanted to respond, a first listener that would contact us through the Facebook page, we're going to throw them on the show. We're going to see what happens. Uh, so we have Jason, who's been an avid listener for quite a while, um, knows the button, um, buy me a coffee. If anybody else doesn't, feel free to buy us a coffee. Um a lot of little interesting things have come to light with Jason over the years as he's commented and stumbled across people from my hometown and things like that. But yeah, uh, he he's uh, quite a graphic artist and really, I don't know. There's no point in having an interview if we know the person. So we're just going to throw it out there. We'll chat with him, find out what's going on. Uh, BS about some other car stuff. I told him, hey. We'll probably touch on this, but who knows where it's going to go. That's the way no driving gloves rolls. So for you two veterans, how's it going? It's fantastic, John. It's fantastic. It, it's, been a, it's been a roller coaster of a weekend and first part of the week for me, to be honest with you. Uh, lost a uh, pretty good buddy and his wife to a motorcycle crash Saturday morning. Lost another uh, good friend of mine. The story I told about putting a small block Chevy in our shop truck and my buddy Don walks in and gets so mad he's about to leave. And I'm like, where are you going? He goes, you put a small block in that truck. I'm never coming back. I said, well, you give me a Ford and I'll put in it. Um, He passed away Saturday. And um, a really, really dear friend of mine that is huge in the hot rod industry actually passed away yesterday, uh, Craig Morrison, Art Morrison's son. Mm-hmm. So it's been, um, it's been kind of tough, man. I was going to say that's not quite a roller coaster. That's just kind of sucks. Yeah. It, it's, been, it's been pretty tough. <laughs> you, uh, you have yet to have an up. <laughs> no, no, my ups right now, right now. So. <laughs> Um, I I feel really bad. This is just like one of those little bobbles. <laughs> yeah. But you never know what's on the other side. So that must be Derek. I say the live studio audience for Derek's <laughs> chiming in. Yes. Yeah, it's fantastic. Live. <laughs> Mine are in Florida, so I don't recorded, know where that noise is. Recorded live in front of a studio audience. <laughs> but losing, losing Craig Morrison is going to hurt the hot rod industry. I mean – his dad has kind of built an empire and, and he's taken it and even progressed it into more. And it, it really hurts to see him gone. And, and, the, and Wally that, that got killed on the, on the motorcycle Saturday, he had a pretty thriving shop in Coleman, Alabama called the 10 shop that was really making some moves and doing some really good stuff. So kind of a younger guy. So you know, sucks to see, sucks to see young talent gone early. You know, I don't deal well with 
empathy and death and things like that. I always want to make a joke, so I have to be quiet. I apologize, Will, but that's all right. So we all deal with it different ways. Yeah. Yeah, except most of my stuff socially unacceptable, kind of like my life. <laughs> oh, all right. I brought us down. Somebody bring us back up. So, less go for than 30, it, John. Say less than 30 seconds. I got a timer on you, Jason. Fill us in about you. Well, I really enjoyed, really enjoy listening to the podcast. Um, there's a lot of places that over the years, I don't know, there's a terrible dynamic in television where you used to be able to go to the Speed Channel and you could watch uh, Auto Rate, you could watch Formula One, you could watch NASCAR, you could watch them rebuild a car, whatever you wanted to do. And, and it seems like now, you know, this company's got sold to ABC Sports, Fox One, and then you have to go here for a race, you got to go there for a restoration program, and it's all over the board. And, you know, everybody wants you to have a 49.95 you know, uh, uh, download an app to watch this race or that race, whatever. And it's so hard to catch up. So what I've settled on is finding places on the internet that I really enjoy watching. And there's a few, there's about three shows. I really like to check in about once a week and see what's going on there. You know, and this is certainly one of them. Um, a couple of them are across the pond over in England. I watch a couple of guys over there that do some things, but you know, when you talked about buying a cup of coffee, um, I think no better way to, to, you know, help someone out like that. That's trying to have the podcast like you guys are doing and, and contribute to that a little bit. I probably should do actually more than what I do, but you know, if you're going to send $50 a month to somewhere like motor trend TV or, or some of them other places, you might as well spend 20 or $40 someplace like this every once in a while. And, and, you know, try to help somebody that's trying to do the grassroots of it and develop it into something. So, yeah. We do appreciate that. You know, we all, we, I think, I don't know if we've actually talked on the show, but we've talked after the show that this is kind of a break for all of us. You know, it gets us away. Uh, so Thanks for coming, we, Will. We, we, we have fun, fun doing it. <laughs> we have fun doing it, but it's, um, and I use it a little bit as an experiment uh, for my business, and it gets to be, it's, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing that we do. And um, sometimes I'm not as, um, this isn't the biggest priority because unfortunately it's not the money maker. but we appreciate the fans that do, do hang in there. And, you know, we, like I said, we, we do appreciate that you've contributed to the show. We have some other listeners that contribute too. I don't want to make it sound like Jason's on here because he gave us money. He was the first to respond to the email or <laughs> first to email us. Then we did get a couple other responses, and who knows, maybe somebody will pop on a little bit later. Um, so well, I want to I want to jump in because uh, Jason and I have have gotten to know each other pretty well, uh, and and not even because of the well, somewhat because of of the podcast, but <clears throat> Jason is also a, a Corvette fan and a Corvette owner, and. Coincidentally, it was actually kind of funny the first time we met in person. It it actually took Jason, I think, a minute. He he didn't realize, I think, that I was the same person from No Driving Gloves as curator at the Corvette Museum. And it, it was kind of interesting seeing him put that together and go, wait a second. You're the same guy I listened to the podcast of. That was but crazy, I guess, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know that I've ever asked you, Jason, 
what got you into cars? What got you into Corvettes and just the car car passion in general? I don't think we've ever had that conversation. When I was uh, probably six or seven, I remember my parents going over to some friends of ours, and I was going to do that today. I was going to try to network and find where they those folks were at and what specific car. I know that when we would go over there about six or seven years old, we'd be in the kitchen, my parents would be playing cards, and every once in a while they'd go out in the garage, get a pop or something from out in the fridge, and um, when they would open the door, I always seen, I'd, I know that it was a mid-year car. It was a 63 to 67. I don't know what specific year. I mean, I can identify them now, but not when I was six. Um, and I actually, frankly, I don't know if it was a silver or more of a silver blue color, but I do remember the mid-year car. And, uh, that was my first, you know, wow, that really set me back. I mean, I've seen this car and that car and every other car go by. Um, but I never really nothing really stuck to me like that. My dad, when I was growing up, he had a 69 Dodge charger and, um, a 63 Impala, uh, two door. I got some pictures of that. I, from that I found just recently, my mom gave them to me. Um, but anyway, um, but as I got older, um, a friend of mine, when I was probably 19, his mother had passed away and she left him some money and she said, look, I, you know, in her letter, I want you to do something nice for yourself. Get yourself a car. I know you like cars. Don't feel bad about it. I want you to buy something like that. So he and I went around for probably, I don't know, six, eight months looking at different cars. And he ended up getting a 85. Um, no, excuse me. Let me back up. I'm sorry. My first job when I was 16 years old was mowing grass for a guy that had a really nice place. And he had bought a new Corvette that year which was 86 and it was a burgundy 86 Corvette. And he left the keys and he said, Hey, if you ever want to take this car out and go to town and wash it, feel free. And I said, Oh, okay, sure. Well, my mom worked for bill, the guy whose yard I mowed and took care of all week long. So I decided one day to go ahead and um, load the car up, take the top off. Took me forever. Cause you got to take those bolts out. I finally figured that out. I'm driving down the road. I'm 16 driving a, one-year-old Corvette and I'm up at the stoplight and I hear Jason Roger Hill, get that car back right now. And I'm looking around like who in the world? And my mom is next to me at the light. And so I had to <laughs> take the car back immediately and not ever drive that again. But that was my first drive of a Corvette. And that's how it sort of ended was her fussing at me to get back home. But um, a couple of years later, when Mike was looking for his Corvette, turned out he bought an 89 burgundy and it looked exactly like that one that i got in trouble driving so uh, just over time it's just happened to be corvettes that popped up um i've owned several porsches over the over the uh, last several years but i got tired of having to wait for parts and you have to buy a special pentosin or pentosin or whatever their fluid is called and you know you can't just go to advanced auto parts and that's one of the things i like about certain cars that i buy now is you can go to advanced auto parts and get stuff. Of course, the internet helps out now too. But, um, you know, ten years ago, it, you know, I just grew tired of buying certain cars because you had to wait forever for parts. So, but we have a few other cars. We have a uh, we have a Jaguar nineteen ninety uh, V twelve convertible. Uh, that's a wonderful car. Um, You're one of the few people that will ever say that. Yes, uh, Lucas Electrics is is not the best. (laughs) Yeah, in fact, anytime I ever have any trouble and you go in the garage and you're doing your, immediately 
you just the word Lucas just pops up in your head. So, um, but anyway, I digress. What what color is that one? It's red with a black top. We saw one of those red black top in the 1990 Chicago Auto Show. My family and I used well, my family used to always go up to that, and uh, I know my dad just really really fell in love with it. But uh, it was a year or two longer before he could afford something like that i think you know being responsible as a business owner and that's how we ended i think he ended up with his vice so he ended up buying he bought no, he, ended up buying. he never bought the jag he and he he's he was still in love with the viper we saw the year earlier a year earlier there and uh was waiting for that to arrive i was actually <laughs> so, scrolling through. so but speak speaking of lucas you, you guys know the story about their experimental vacuum cleaners right and why that? Why they didn't build them? Because they sucked. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was it was the only thing they tried to build that didn't suck. <laughs> well, I was rifling through for a picture on my phone. Well, there's part of one. There's part of the picture. Look at that. Well, that's not going to help you much, is it? Well, it's an audio podcast. Too, of How did Will do that? We'll How did Will we'll just throw it out to the street? There was there. You got to go real close to your camera. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Nice. Yeah, and look at that. Look at that red C seven hood. Look at that. <laughs> but over the years, it's really funny. Uh, you know, Derek mentioned how I put these two together. That wow, this is the same guy that I listened to on the podcast. How I, I just thought that was so strange. What's even stranger than that is I'm at my desk one day listening to No Driving Gloves and. A guy from our office, Bart, he's our head sales guy. He goes, What are you what are you listening to? And I said, Oh, I like to listen to this podcast. It's no driving gloves. And usually I just, I'm dismissive like that because not a lot of people are into listening to podcasts about cars or unless you're a car guy, right? He goes, Oh, because that guy sounds really familiar. Who do you know who that is? And I said, Well, that's Derek and that's Will and that's John. And he said, John, John who? And I said, John Viviani. And he says, No. And I hope you don't mind me uh, throwing this in there, uh, John. But Bart, Bart says, ask him if he ever remembers if doing a rainbow rack at the something something wherever back in Peoria. Oh, yes. And I yeah. said, okay. So, I mean, you could probably take it from there, I guess. Yeah. Uh, rainbow rack was something that was supposed to be a challenge of our owner was trying to uh, clean out all the schnapps that he had found when he took over the bar. And a rainbow rack, it was, you know, all these different flavors of schnapps, and they were a quarter apiece. Or if you did the entire rack, 21 shots, in a day, in an evening, you got it for free. Well, <laughs> me and my drinking buddy, um, the bartenders hated us because we'd do two or three or four racks a night, and they hated washing the shot glasses. And then we ended up modifying the rainbow rack. To, they just gave us two beer mugs full of the schnapps <laughs> and we do it through straws, <laughs> made it quicker. But um, I held the record and I think I still hold the record where I did all 21 shots in like 28 seconds one night. And my dad was there to witness it too. So. Nice. Wow. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Uh, rainbow rack. I thought you were going to talk about some other <laughs> stories from Bart and, uh, Bart used to throw some legendary parties. Oh yeah, he's still, yeah, yeah. He's still those, those, pretty good. Do, those stories involve other racks, not rainbow <laughs> racks. Some of them do. 
<laughs> but it's amazing that Bart and you know each other. And then uh, I think what first when I first started listening to the podcast, I, I heard Will's voice and I thought he sounds like he's maybe from the South. And as I paid more attention, I was like, I had to Google Big Oak Garage and I had to find out where that was at. And when I found out it was in Oaks Bluff, I was like, wow, that's down by Auburn or thereabouts uh, just past. Yeah, we're about uh, an hour and a half north of Auburn. Okay. Yeah. If you if you draw a triangle between Chattanooga, Birmingham, and Atlanta, we're kind of right in the bullseye between okay. between all three of those. So just I remember uh, it. Will, aren't you just a little bit outside of Gadsden, isn't it? Yep, Gadsden, Alabama. We're kind of okay. Oaks Bluff is like a bedroom community for Gadsden. <clears throat> Oaks Bluff is kind of like a bedroom community. <laughs> <laughs> not, a, not a lot going on. Um, uh, big Oak Garage. I was going to ask you, going gonna ask you since it's uh, car related and we were on the BART topic, has he ever showed you a picture of his old Monty SS? No, no. But he, no, he hasn't. No. You need I've to heard ask about him, it, though. Yeah, you need to ask him if he's got a picture or something. It, it was very well custom painted it would probably be very 80s you know it was kind of an aqua that faded into a purple and it was one of the oh, best fades i had yeah. ever seen um you know it was a fairly well-known car and i think we all lusted after it a little bit i don't know whatever happened to it you know i have a way of just disappearing out of people's lives and then reappearing but he has a, an impala beautiful and chevy impala like a 2000 and 18 or something and it's got like almost 300,000 miles it's got like 200 and like right over just right at 200,000 miles on it but it looks like he just bought it it's clean that would be him mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so jason, I, do you have any, no, go ahead no go ahead will jason do you have any classic cars or just mainly later model stuff mm, mostly later model i have we have a 79 l82 okay um and not too, yeah, that, that's all we have at the moment. Yeah, nothing nothing too terribly. I'd love, I'd really, really would like to have uh, 53, 4, or 5, all the way up through 56 Corvette, may, or maybe a 57. Uh, but I don't want anything that's, you know, trailer queen, everything we, we've ever owned. Corvettes have been daily drivers or Porsches for the last 20, 25 years. So I, we drive them every day. So, I don't want anything that I'm, I, I'm afraid to put miles on. Uh, but if I found something like that, it'd be something that you wouldn't be afraid to drive, not go to Walmart or what, you know, I wouldn't mind doing any of that, you know, well, that's what they're for. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I <laughs> there's a local club here in town that I'll go up there and they'll, well, I don't want to, well, let me just say, I, I come across people and I'm sure you guys do too. They just brag about, Oh, I only got a thousand miles on that. You know, I, I had it, I just bought it. I put a thousand miles on it and you know, they kept it for four or five years and I just can't see what the joy is in having those cars. If you're not going to enjoy it, I do not get that. I, I don't think that Harley Earl or Enzo Ferrari or any of those people, I don't think they ever said, I can't wait for somebody to buy one of my cars and put it in the garage. Now, some of the cars out there, you, I understand they have a, certain reverence to them that you can't just go driving them on the street um, for whatever reason. But, you know, for the most part, I think most of them are meant to drive. 
to drive. Yeah, every single one of them was meant to drive, or otherwise, oh, it's sure. not a car. Yeah, you know? and, and even, and art, even the art cars. I mean, if you go to the Alphabet cars, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they were meant to drive, and they oh, were right. on you know buy here, <laughs> buy here, pay here car lots at one point in time. So everything was meant to drive. Is that and the it's, ones with the the swoopy? Yeah. Wing, mm-hmm. wing, yeah. Okay. Yep. Even, and that's even, you know we've we've talked about it on the show before. I mean, yeah, everything's meant to drive, and you know it's it's just driving it responsibly. If it's if it's one mm-hmm. of those cars that are are now significant or you know anything like that, but they're they're still you know it. it I get into it a lot because I'm in the museum world, but a big part of, of being a museum is education. And so, you know, most of us, a lot of the auto museums out there, we still operate the cars. We do it responsibly, but it's part of the, the experience. It's part of understanding what these things are. And I mean, Jason, you've seen it, you know, you see us drive some of the experimental Corvettes and things at, at the shows. And you know, that's, you don't get a full understanding of a car unless it's running and driving. And that's, that's the key. And you're right. I mean, even to this day, you know, we have, and, and this isn't to be mean to anyone or anything like that, but you know, we have Corvette owners that, that are like, Oh, you know, my car's, you know, it's only got, still got five miles on it. I bought it and drove it home, parked it in the garage. And, you know, and the first thing, any of the guys at general motors will tell you, whether it's Taj the chief engineer Harlan, the the you know, marketing guy for Chevrolet, for Corvette and Camaro, uh, Tom Peters, retired you know chief designer. Any of those guys, they will say they'll they'll look at you and just say, "Tell them to drive it." That's why we built it. We built we build Corvette to be driven, and that's like you say, that's what everybody Enzo any any of the former car you know legends Enzo Ferrari, any of them all the way up to the current people that are running the businesses and engineering, they're building them to drive them. They're a machine. That's what they're meant for. We'll, we'll except, build for we'll, except for Will's stuff. Don't drive Will's stuff. <laughs> we'll have yeah, we'll probably break down on you. We'll have, we'll have a car with 10,000 hours in it and it, you know, it can be driven. They're not driven a lot, but you can hop in them and go wherever you want to go in them. They're dependable. They, they ride good. They handle good. They got plenty of power. They got plenty of brakes. So I mean, they're they're really built to be on the road, but they're built to you know look really really good and and, and very high quality as well. I think that all the cars I've had, I I think I've lost money on one of them, and and I don't do it for the money. I don't try to buy one and go. I wonder what I can get for it when I sell it to the next guy. I buy it for what I want it for. But it just so happens, you know, Corvettes and Porsches are easy cars to move if you wanted to move them because you always see a guy at the grocery store. I think, I don't think I've ever advertised, but maybe one or two. Other than that, it's a guy at Lowe's that says, hey, is that for sale or, or whatever? And I think maybe one time I've lost money on a car. Other than that, I've racked the miles up on them. And it doesn't matter. Well, to me personally, it doesn't matter if you have 40,000 miles or 85,000 miles or 110. I, I bought a C7 last summer. With forty two thousand miles on it, and I'm already up to I think I put eighteen thousand miles on it this year. So, in, in about a year. So, uh, you know, we go for day trips. My wife and I jump in the car. My son and I will go up to the museum for some things, or we'll run down to Barber. You know, do some things down there. Um, so, that's what they're meant yeah. for. You're building exactly. memories. In them. 
Yeah, exactly. And and one of the things that just brought back a, a memory from kind of my childhood, I'll say, which is you know, in school, high school, middle school, I had friends that liked cars as well. And I had friends that didn't like cars and didn't really care. But we'd always, those that were into cars, and of course, with my dad having a restoration shop in the backyard, a lot of them would come over and hang out in the shop. And there was one certain friend that I, I had that we'd always talk about cars and we were both in agreement on one thing, which was always, you know, and, and I don't know why it popped into my head. Cause you were, you know, Jason, you were talking more about mileage and things like that and how much you put on them. But one of the other big things we would always talk about was, you know, because a lot of people in high school, the, the car guys are always, Oh, how much horsepower does it have? Oh, you know, mine's got, mine's got 390, whatever horsepower. And I got 420, blah, blah, blah. And I was always the kid and there. And, and I had friends that to me, it didn't matter. Like it was about the look of the car, the, the emotion that car gave you, you know, the, the feeling of, I didn't care how fast it went, how much horsepower. Mm -hmm. I mean, for the love of, God, look at the cars in my barn right now. None of them go fast. <laughs> they're they're teens, twenties, thirties, era seven, and then the modern stuff I have are a micro car and a Ford Falcon with a 144 cubic inch engine. <laughs> I'm not I'm not about the the speed. I mean, do I like it? Do I like getting in a Corvette and taking it around the track at work? Do I enjoy driving them on the road and and going places? Yes, I mean it is fun. But to me, it's, it's about more of what you were talking about, you know, driving it, enjoying it, making memories in it and, oh, yeah. and all of that. And I, you know, it just, it kind of sparked that memory in me that, you know, we used to talk about that and I don't know, to me, who cares how much horsepower it has and how right. fast it can go. Cause yeah. I want to go out and drive it and cruise the back roads and have fun. Mm -hmm. I want to go do burnouts and donuts. Nobody cares. You gotta have power. It. Power. Yeah. Power. You know, just for that, once I get the once I get the Lloyd fully fun like roadworthy, I'm gonna attempt to do a burnout in the Lloyd and send a video to you. If you can't do it, let me know. I'll come up there and do it. I promise. <laughs> Nicholas asked me the other day, my son is 16, and he asked me, he says, uh, hey, how come I can't get the tires to to spin on your car? I was like, Where are you spinning my tires on the car at? <laughs> And you have your own car. Go. I mean, he, so I, you know, I thought, you know what? Memory. I said, don't beat them up. These these Michelins are crayons for the asphalt, but still, you have to be respectable of it and watch where you do it. And you know, but anyway, um, I explained the traction control buttons, which I'm gonna get new tires now. But anyway, <laughs> don't do it leaving a cars and coffee. <laughs> right. Right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I. I try. Or, to or if you're driving a Mustang. <laughs> oh gosh you know memories uh i have my best friend back in high school dave he uh he he bought this like 76 ford mustang I, I i'm trying to remember the body i know the body style and i'm not good with my mustangs but i think it's 76 charlie's angels comes to mind for some reason but anyway. yeah, mustang too mustang, yes, yeah, you mustang too yeah yes that's what he but, had and it was, was this good in. that's about it <laughs> it was like this butternut what? yellow color huh? <laughs> A good Wait, front. What did Will end. just say? A good front end. That's a front suspension. Oh, right oh, okay. Rack and pinion disc brakes. <laughs> well, he had. He was just so proud of this car. He had just got. It. He hadn't had it a week. He came down to the house, 
and uh, we were backing out of the driveway and he goes, we got to go for a ride. And I said, okay. So we backed out of the driveway and he just gassed it. He just gunned it as best he could. And the tires were the car shaking and vibrating and everything else. And it's like, you know, I didn't really think much about it. I was 16, you know? So we, I happened to look back and my dad's at the mailbox and he's just kind of doing this little number. And on our way back, we see all this stuff all over the road. And my dad's out there with a broom. And apparently whoever he bought it from just filled it with Bondo. Oh, oh. And so whenever he was shaking the car by gassing it or whatever, he I mean, so we got out of the car and he just fell to his knees and the hands in the face. And he was, oh, the whole side of the car was just gone. Nothing but Bondo. <laughs> Mustang too. Not the Mustang. That's not a crack of the Mustang, folks. Just the one that Dave had. <laughs> Wow, that's okay. We 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 usually crack jokes about the Mustang owners. So, <laughs> yeah. although of I know that I know the I know the designer that did the Mustang too, so I'm going to be nice about that because he's a good friend. So, <laughs> what I was, was he thinking? What uh, he well, was doing his job. <laughs> Man. I had a guy yesterday I was talking to about podcasting, Derek, who uh, said, you do that, you know, you're doing that car podcast and who do you have on it? The guy that builds hot rods and, and the, the guy from the Mustang Museum, right? And I said, <laughs> I said, no, the National Corvette Museum. He goes, oh, no, no, not him. The guy that's just down the road at the, the Mustang Museum. <laughs> no. <laughs> you guys have a good night. <laughs> who is this who is this friend john i'm gonna need an address <laughs> oh you gotta be nice he's probably gonna be uh, a podcast client in the near future oh well i don't have to be nice he doesn't obviously he doesn't know who i am <laughs> so speaking of memories i have to throw this out there if i could i'm gonna be 50 june 28th so i wanted to do something uh, and I'm trying to think of different places to go. I'm looking at, and I know it's money, but uh, wanted to go to Pebble Beach or something like that. Everything I looked at online, all their tickets are sold out already. The ones that are like where you're on the podium, where you're watching the cars come over and the confetti goes, uh, that's all sold out. And then the next area from that down is sold out. So I really don't know what the $700 tickets buy, but is there even a point to go in anything like that if you're not going to get to... I mean, I guess you'll get to see a lot of stuff. But anyway, besides that, is there any ideas that I, I wouldn't to do something? Go, I wouldn't go to Pebble this year if it's your first time and you're not going with anybody who hasn't been there before. Mm -hmm. You really need a guide. And with Pebble not happening last year, right? There are going, you know, it is going to be there are going to be so many people there. It's going to be grotesque. I mm -hmm. think. Um, I have to, and this is not a shameless plug or anything, but listen to the episode that just came out yesterday of our show. Mr. McCrane. Huh? Mr. McCrave? McCrane. Uh, McCrane. Yeah. And McCrane. I would consider going up to his event and doing the whole Woodward thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's the week after Pebble. Uh, and there's a ton of stuff around that. And it sounds like his organization is going to throw a whole bunch at it. And that's, you know, if you're looking for something to do, kind of in that August pebble because the amount of money it's going to take. If, if you're not going with somebody, I think you're going to, you're going to spend a lot of money that you're going to realize, Ooh, I shouldn't have done this. I should have done that. Mm -hmm. um, that's nothing against pebble or anything, but there, there's, you know, kind of has, he said it, you know, when he was doing 
you know, he, when he was doing Monterey and, you know, Steve Earle and the, you know, historics at Luna, Laguna Seca and doing the first auction, he could do everything on a Friday, Saturday and Sunday and still be home Sunday night to now you have to pick the event you're going to go to and you have to pick the car you want to see at an auction and play all the schedules. And it's shuffling a lot of, you know, a lot of things to go, to go out there. But hmm. um, it, well, it, I looked around for some other, you know, there's the Amelia Island. There's, I found Kenlin. I actually messaged the other day asking Derek if he had any cars going there. Um, are there any other shows on, on, anywhere on the East coast? Keeneland's a there's, nice there's a lot. Concours. Yeah. Keeneland's yeah, a nice Keeneland is yeah, Keeneland is a fantastic concours and, and I pretty sure I responded, didn't I, Jay? I hope you I did. did. You did. You uh, said we you are we are me. yeah, we're taking two Corvettes to that. We're taking the two rotor and the uh 63 Z06. And then another one I would recommend, and we happen to be taking a car this year is what used to be the Meadowbrook Concours. It's now the Concours of America at St. John in Plymouth, Michigan. And it is, it's one of the, one of the bigger and better uh, concours in the country. Okay. And you just, you just missed the Cincinnati Concours at Alt Park. This was, that was this past Sunday, which I know, you know, cause we texted mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it is the fifth oldest concours in the country. If I remember okay. correctly, they were talking about it this weekend while we were there. And it by far is one of my favorite, uh, just the setting at Alt Park and and how they put it together, uh, beautiful grounds, things like that. So highly recommended for next year, seeing you already missed it. But I would I would probably consider if it was me, either Keeneland or the Concours of America in Michigan. I'm not sure I've heard good things about the Greenwich Concours. But I've not been there, and I also don't know when the Greenwich Concours is this year or if it got canceled, anything like that. So that would be another one to look up. Okay. Las Vegas? He said, yeah. he said East Coast, Will. Do you understand what the <laughs> no. East Coast and there's, there's this gotta... There's this river called the Mississippi, and it kind of <laughs> divides our country. One yeah, side's the East half, can, the other's the West. To, you can go to SEMA for what you can go to Pebble Beach for. You can go to SEMA for a lot less than what you can go to yeah. If you yeah. wanted to, absolutely. Of course, getting you know getting in is not the easiest thing, um, but uh, you're you're a car guy. I'm sure you're associated with um, a car related business, automotive related business, and you can go that way and and get in. Uh, John needs to register us through for media badges. Come on, John. I thought you were working on that. If not, I'll, I'll, I'll call my buddy tomorrow. And he, he, he was all you got to do. Actually, I was just working on it a second ago. All you got to do is go online and register. It's pretty I have to shamelessly um, tell you that um, many, many years ago, when I was working for a newspaper out of college here in Alabama, which I live in Franklin County. Okay. And I wanted to go to the Cleveland Grand Prix in Ohio, which is where I'm from. And so I used the Franklin County newspaper down here in alabama and i didn't i didn't i didn't misrepresent anything but i think they assumed i was from columbus franklin (laughs) county um so they were giving me all access everything and so that was an awesome awesome time because i got to this sounds something but 
I'm walking between these two transport trucks and it's me and my dad. So I got some, I got a photographer to go with me. Right. So it's my dad and I were walking through and um, we're walking between the transport trucks, just taking our time, enjoying a little shortcut from here to there. And here comes Mario Andretti carrying waters down the way. And um, we, we were forced to pass each other between these transport trucks. And he just, um, I just said, you know, I mean, I didn't know what to say. I was not expecting Mario Andretti to be walking down through there. I think Michael was racing at the time. And uh, so I said, hello, Mr. Andretti. And I just kept on going. And he's like, you need a water? And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> so I got a water. or My dad got a water from Mr. From Mario Andretti because he said something. But I'm thirsty. Where can we find some drinks? And, you know, my dad is saying this. And I'm like, you realize it's Mario Andretti, like, literally walking towards us, like, 20 feet away. And my dad's going, oh, here we can find some water. <laughs> so it was so awkward. But I was like, Dad, that is, I mean, I didn't do this and explain it. I did, you know, after he left, I guess. But but we ended up getting a bottle of water from my dad, from Mario Andretti, which was kind of a neat story. But anyway, that was at uh, Media Credentials is where that was going. <laughs> yeah, I've got a buddy hey. and he, he's big in the automotive industry and he he and a he and one of his friends they go to all kinds of events with media credentials he he can get it he manages to pull up media credentials anywhere and he he's my contact for getting us some pretty good deal or things at SEMA. he's been on me for a while but with covid and all that i need to call and reach out him and i gotta have a breakfast but is that, um, is that your buddy that uh built the cyber truck is that who that is no nah, not not quite him, him. Oh, but do you do you know what I did this week uh, while you're talking drove, cyber truck? <laughs> you test drove a cyber truck? No. I, put your uh, deposit down on a deposit. I was going to say deposit. No, I did not put a deposit on a lightning. Um, oh. I put my name on the list for the Santa Fe and as much as I hate it, the Maverick. Um, but <laughs> we're going to well, see. Well, John, it's been in. nice having you on the show. <laughs> well, uh, you keep calling me the mini truck guy. And I think it's, it's, I'm going to write it off as a podcast expense because I need to have the latest mini truck. Oh, you know, I didn't even think about that. I got no driving gloves sticker on my truck. I could write that off as advertising yeah. for the show. Oh, the, man. The percentage of the car payment that is equal to the amount that the uh, no driving glove sticker covers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no. What did you guys think of that? These new mini trucks that are all of a sudden hitting the market. You know, I'll be honest, the lightning, the lightning's very impressive. But for me to do a lightning, it's going to be 60 grand. And I spec'd out my Maverick and it's only 29. Is the Lightning a small truck, or is that? I know they used to have a full size special edition tricked uh, the, out the engine. The Lightning is the uh, new all electric F one fifty. Okay, uh, starts at forty nine thousand, and with a thousand pounds of payload, it supposedly has like a three hundred and eighty mile range on the batteries. Um, and it's designed; it's got a complete power bank in the bed, so that if you're like a construction worker or a site foreman, you can pull the truck in and everybody can power their tools and charge their batteries out of the truck and you can go home and overnight it supposedly will, I, I'm assuming you're on a 240 charger, but it will completely recharge the truck and be ready for the next day. Hmm. Um, and for, you know, Ford's 
coming on really strong with their electric products. And, you know, the, the Lightning really impressed me. And it'd be really cool if they did a sport version of the electric Lightning. Um, Why doesn't Ford uh, come up with some new names for their products that they're reinventing? They need to come up with accurate names. You know, we did the episode, I'm sure you remember, the mm-hmm. show E, which is what right. the, 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 the Mustang Mach-E should have been named. And I think Derek and I might have touched on it or... Ranchero, Courier, you know, yeah. you, you could have named it anything like that. But then again, we're bitching about naming the new Bronco Bronco to Bronco also. And then Bronco that's out should have been called the Bronco too. And then we should have had the big Bronco, not the Bronco Sport and the Bronco. But and when yeah. you said you were getting a Lightning, I thought you were getting a 1990 Ford F-150 Lightning. No, um, I've liked the Lightning, but... Uh, if I'm gonna get one, get something like that, I would get a, a SRT10. So, if you're gonna do it, you know, may as well do it with six miles a gallon and a manual transmission. So, mm. Will's kind of speechless. Why not a Why not I'm a uh, 454SS? Because yeah, it's a pretty sweet truck, the Chevrolet 454SS. It was built alongside the Cyclone and the Typhoon, and you know where I'm gonna go. Well, you could also get um, the body style after that. Joe Gibbs got his hands on some supercharged straight shift, <laughs> 4.8 liter. Those are those are the Joe Gibbs trucks are pretty pretty badass too. When I had my uh, 2012 F150, the the dealer I buy virtually all of my Fords from, and where I've got my order placed, um, he. Or they had a Jack Roush F-150 that was a dark blue that faded to a really bright blue that had went Roush lowering kit on it, Roush exhaust, Roush supercharger. And I came really, really close to buying that one. Um, so, but that was then, this is now. I, I've, been, I've been begging for a mini truck for a decade now and somebody's fine, actually... Two people are finally doing it. You know, Hyundai's doing it. They refuse to put a price on it. It's supposed to be out next month. And it's like a Subaru Baja or a Subaru Brat type vehicle, uh, more of a car type um, pickup. And then the Ford Maverick, which I still hate the name, um, is an actual pickup truck. 4,000 pounds towing capacity out of this little thing. Um, It is a unibody in the high hybrid version, it's 40 miles a gallon. And in the um, 2.5 liter version, which is the heavier towing capacity one, uh, it's still like, supposed to be like 30 miles a gallon and starting at 19,000 bucks. I mean, it's, you're not going to buy one of these Maverick looking things, are you? I've, I've got my name on the list and I'm really like think Let's go buy a Honda Ridgeline. It's smaller than a Honda Ridgeline. What I don't about want, a, yeah, he doesn't Maloo. want anything big like a Ridgeline. <laughs> what about a Maloo? Would you ever buy a Maloo? I don't know what a Maloo is. You've stumped me. Oh, for real? Yeah, honestly, I've never heard one. it's a Holden, that, but they do make them in the U.S. Or they do have some here. Uh, is that the... Uh, the they stumped the panel? For real? It's it's the Holden. Uh, I've always just called it the Holden Ute. Uh, oh, a Ute. Oh, yeah, the Ute. They're they're famously okay. known as a Ute, but 
Yeah, the uh, Malu is the the oh, yeah. Holden the, the GTO version. Pickup. Yeah, your things are bad. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's a good way to describe it. The GTO pickup. Mm. Yep. Bad ass. That's cool. That'd make a nice truck. But do you have to have a new one, or just because of you know warranty and so forth, or? Uh, because I don't work on cars. I don't like working on cars. Nobody's going to work on a Holden except me. So, or a you know a hot oh, yes, there you go. So. That's it. So, yeah, John, it. you'd look good. And, and they, they don't they don't make those anymore either. I thought they canceled those because Ford also made a version over there. I can't remember what it was called. And you know, you know, the the, the one I want to really see come back is the Dodge Rampage and Dodge Rampage size. But I think Dodge Rampage size, I guess, is smaller than a mini. Now one of the mini mini pickups. Dodge Rampage. Cool. Dodge Rampage with a Hellifant engine. Is that what you're shooting for? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could do the uh, Smith conversion to a charger and put the uh, elephant engine in it. I have to show this to you. It was it only took thirty seconds to get it back, but Bart happened to have a picture with the trophies. <laughs> oh, look at that! Sorry about that folks. A little there bit. Yeah. Can't quite see the fade, but <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. That's amazing that he happened to have the picture from 1980. Uh, about eighty eight, but <laughs> have it and not only that, have it in a digital format. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give him some heat about that when I see him next time. Of course, my phone's full of my pictures too, so I cannot complain. Yeah, see, and, and I've lost all of my pictures. I've, I've got an occasional CRX one that'll pop up and. I've got one me standing next to my 024. But other than that, I don't have any pictures of a, a lot of my early cars. A box got lost in a move and, you know, my custom pickup trucks that I had back then. And my first car was John, a I'm going <laughs> to. You're just supposed to say a vet. No, just, well, yeah. <laughs> my first car was a vet. There you go. <laughs> just leave it at that. I've actually been tempted to buy a Chevette and just walk into work one day and be like, hey, guys, I bought a vet. Right. It's parked out in the parking yeah. lot. You want to go see it? Just walk out there, have it be like a 1982 Chevette. Oh yeah, yeah. We had we had a guy in high school that he always talked about driving his vet, and it was a. And I went to a school where guys actually drove Corvettes to school. No, his was a Chevette. So John John was rich. That's what he's saying. That's John grew up rich. He's just rubbing that, it. That, that's why I drove an Omni 024 to school. I, I need you, actually, John, to get the Ford Maverick and send it to Will and just have him change where it says Maverick to Ranchero and drive it around. Can we LS swap it? That's what we need. Sure. Why no, the hell? What, what, LT, what LT swap it? Why the hell would nah, I want to put, put a, Chevy, put a coyote Chevy, in it? Chevy motor. See if it can handle a coyote. Hey. Hey, we got uh, we got a, one of those new Godzillas in and running already, so we could do the new Godzilla in it. <laughs> you understand? I like the the um, fuel economy. Now, what I would be willing to do is a Maverick with the new Ford Lightning drivetrain. Ooh, <laughs> that could be interesting. I'm liking that. Y'all with your EV bullshit. I hear you. <laughs> Quit whining with. Gonna run me out of a job. 
you just have to conform a little bit. And that's what I'm trying to help you do. I'm trying to bring you your early EV hot rods. Well, mm-hmm. well come on. Pay me. Let's do it. <laughs> and get a tubbed out vault. <laughs> yeah. what, 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 uh, what is there much left to do? Like these Teslas are coming out of the box just as quick as can be. So what, what more could be done? I mean, aside from the styling cues, you, you're talking the new, yeah, the styling cues, the the new model S plaid that runs the quarter in nine sixty two. Oh yeah, right. by Jay Leno of all people. Yeah. Didn't he just set a record in a yeah in the, yeah? And they did it, unlike um, Dodge that you know with the um, Demon. You know, I think they their their quarter was like nine eighty seven or something, and that was the record. But they waited for this special barometric drop and temperatures and that to to hit and do that run at the precise time. Now Tesla went out, put Jay Leno in it, and said go, <laughs> <laughs> and he runs a nine sixty two quarter, and it's zero to sixty in like one point seven, I think it is. Or but that was a an awesome marketing skill for for somebody, I guess. Because, uh, because it was it was funny. I was listening to a podcast, and Jay Jay happened to call into it, and he had just finished the run, and he was talking about it. And I said, "That's pretty damn quick." But they blew right over it, didn't think anything of it. And then the following week, they're going, "We could have broke that story because right, Jay, was, Jay right. wasn't supposed to tell us that because he had literally got out of the car and like called him and said, "Hey." <laughs> He was talking about going to the cars and coffee or whatever in uh, uh, at the coffee, uh, whatever. I can't think of the name of the the restaurant they all do it at. But Spit out there, it right? out, John. Eh, blah, 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 blah. That's all, folks. But, yeah. yeah the model, uh, get, get the, what, the, the Cybertruck Plaid Edition. And uh, that'd be a reasonably quick vehicle. Why do they call it Plaid? Is there... That um, space balls. Oh yes, yeah, right. Yeah, the, the fastest versions of all of them are plaid. Mm-hmm. You know, and I God only knows what they cost, but because we're talking model S and that two hundred grand probably. But I want to see a Cybertruck painted plaid. Bring it to me. I guarantee you, somebody's going to wrap their model S plaid plaid. <laughs> I'm going to Google it right now because I'm guessing somebody's already done it. I was thinking about those seats that Porsche used to put in their cars back in the 70s when they were orange plaid, green plaid, red plaid, whatever uh-huh. you wanted. And they were stylish, you know, then. Lotus used to do that in the Esprit, too. That, that upholstery is impossible to find. Guys trying to do original Esprit. Didn't, uh, didn't Ford do some plaid-looking stuff in some of the Broncos, too? Some of the early Broncos in the 60s? I uh, believe so. It and sounds I know familiar. Just because I've been researching Lloyd Microcars recently, Lloyd Microcars had plaid seats. I'm actually need plaid. to find a set to put in my yeah. put in my car and be like, it's the plaid edition. You know what I really want to find? I would love to find, and I, I think a couple are out there that have been restored and, and people have taken really, really extreme lengths to make it happen. But I believe it was some of the Mopar products had in the late sixties and early seventies, the vinyl tops, but they were, they were like flowers and yep. patterns the, the mod, all over the mod top. 
Yes, yes, yeah. I, I was think a, that is just so at, freaking cool. There was a guy at McPherson with Will and I that had one. Um, yep. I can't, was it Tyler? I can't, can't remember Where his name. Because he, he put it up for sale, and I was really tempted to try to figure out how to buy it. But I, I love the mod top stuff, you know, that have the Paisley print roofs that match their Paisley print interiors a lot of yes. the time. Which car had the uh, denim with the stitching around it? The the Levi Edition Gremlin. Oh yeah, yeah. There was oh, also yeah. Le- Levi Edition um, Jeeps. CJ fives, yep. oh, okay. right? Yeah. Yep. I saw one the other day that had some quarter the the uh, little Arctic guy from the Christmas movies. Uh, it was a Jeep that had a little white Yeti monster on it. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was on the Jeep, uh, and it looked legit. I mean, I think it was probably a some sort of legit package. It looked like. Well, that whole- maybe, I bet you they're selling a Yeti package on the Jeep now, or something to go. You know, you get a free cooler, or get the free Yeti cooler strapped on the back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that whole plaid thing's kind of. I, I think it's cooling off a little bit, but it was a pretty hot thing in the hot rod side there for the last three or four years. That Coyote swap truck that we did we did uh some plaid inserts it was actually church pew material is what it was <laughs> it looked pretty good yeah you it seems to be more and more of the interiors are some some sort of d- diamond stitch and reverse diamond stitch and um is that what i'm seeing will or am i making that up uh, the diamond the whole diamond thing in the hot rod industry is kind of come and gone again but it's picking up in you know, the late model Jeep stuff, you know, people do, that are doing custom interiors in late model cars are, are picking, picking up on that. It always seems to be that the, the hot, to, well, of course me, cause I'm a hot rodder, but the, the hot rod side kind of is the trendsetters for the later model stuff. There's a, there's an interior shop next to the, the TV show shop in Atlanta and they're doing double stitch diamonds in everything. <laughs> you know, I did double stitch diamonds in a 57 Chevrolet 10 years ago. And it's just now, and then it caught on the interior shop that done it done. I bet they done five or six cars in a row where they had the double stitch <laughs> diamonds and you're seeing it, you know, like cat skin offers it as a, as a kit that you can buy for your new Jeep or your new Chevy truck or Tahoe or whatever. My so new Maverick, because my Maverick's only available with cloth interior, at least in the trim level I chose. <laughs> I wish the Corvettes were available with cloth interior. I, that's the only, to me, I'm not a big leather person. I, I, I like cloth, but every car we have is leather. For, even I, my Chevy Colorado was leather. I just had a conversation on Facebook, one of the Facebook groups about that, and I love cloth interiors. Oh, me too. Um I think they grip better. I think they're cooler. You don't yeah. have those 400 degree seats. I don't care yeah. if your leather seat's air conditioned. It's still right. 400 degrees before yeah. you turn the car on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I maybe Derek can take note of that. Um, need some cloth interior. Oh, those are I'll, nice. I'll let Harlan know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's church pew material. That's nice. It's also blessed. I love it. You know, I you know, and that's but that's the cool thing about. I think that's one of the cool things about customizing cars, doing a a custom car or a hot rod, anything like that is, is sweet. You know, these don't have to be 
you got you can get creative. You don't have to use uh, automotive automotive material, automotive parts. You can go to, you know, Joanne Fabric and look at their fabrics they have and pick some crazy fabric and put it on the seats or you look at their different whatever and and add it in as part of the character. Actually one of the coolest uh, actually I don't know if I can say one of the coolest things I've seen but a, a kind of cool idea I just saw this weekend at the Cincinnati Concours. There was a 28 Model A in the class I judged. Uh, I judged the pre-war vintage class and 28 Model A uh, Roadster. And I walked up to it and it wasn't a bad car. I mean, it was an older restoration, fairly accurate, some things here and there that weren't quite right. And then I looked at the interior and the dash if everybody's familiar with the model a dashes, they kind of had those two stamped, you know, um, bump outs in the dash. No, 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 the gauges, gauges are right in the, no, no, no. The gauges are right in the center. And then there's just those two kind of raised panels. The right and left of the dash are two kind of radius triangles that are in. Yeah. Radius triangles, just part of the styling, you know, to make it look interesting. And they looked like burl wood and i'm thinking okay whoever did this like they totally went too far with the interior and the owner finally showed up to talk to us about the car and its history and stuff like that and he said oh yeah check this out he's like i i made these on my own and i just thought they were kind of cool looking but they snap right off they were magnetic burlwood panels that he nice. just magnetically stuck to the dash cut out exactly the same way very thin <laughs> magnet. So, I mean, it was flush. I mean, you could not tell that he had done it. And it was it was just kind of like, you know, that's really kind of cool. You've yeah. added a little flare, but you can remove it and go right back to original. It's just, it was, it wasn't, you know, it was like, ah, that's really wrong on a Model A. But then when he took them off, I was like, you know, that's kind of a cool idea. I, I, I got to give you props there. And you then know, you whatever. explain to him that when you need when you show it, you need to leave those off because I almost well, knocked yeah. your points. <laughs> yeah, you know that brings that brings me to a, a thought that you know I was when I was first noticing cars and trying to buy this and that, whatever. I kind of frowned on certain cars or brands, not not like Ford Chevy thing, but I'm talking like you know, and I'll be careful when I tread here, but you know, like maybe some of the import cars when you see them at car shows the way they got them all with the coffee can exhaust and then all the other they're doing to it and the big wings but the more that i've i guess matured is the proper word in the car hobby i i look at it as that's that person's uh, individuality that they're showing and i absolutely i used to be like no oh, i don't know about that you know but now when i see those cars and when i see what somebody's done to their car i'm like you know, I respect it a lot because it's that person trying to share what they are seeing there, you know? Yeah. So. I, I used to be that person who would show up in my, you know, mm-hmm. hot rod Honda with the coffee can exhaust <laughs> and lowered and whoa, whoa, you know, whoa, I've whoa, never whoa. been, I've whoa. never been into stance or whatever. I don't, I don't know but, that that is a uh, <laughs> proper hot rod <laughs> Honda. That's, I think that's offensive. <laughs> well, too bad. <laughs> Hmm. Because and it, it we get run off because we didn't have what people liked. And that's one of the things, you know, we've said on the podcast before is 
I don't care. I don't care if you show up in a stanced car. I'm going to mm-hmm. laugh at you. Right. Um, but I'm going to support you a little bit, too. You know, I'm going to say, yeah. I really don't oh, like sure. that. And these are the reasons. But it's somebody creating or expressing their individual individuality. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the uh, Carolina whatever, yeah, <laughs> that, that's just flat dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, it's, it's also, I think we agree on that. Safety, it's also a safety issue, too. Well, yeah, and, and some states are making it illegal, but I have a argument on that. You know, yay, we aren't going to see that California or Carolina, whatever it's called. Right. But what's the next thing? Because I remember when I was doing lowered pickups, all of a sudden, you know, they're too low. And then we got license plate height regulations. And, lights and- you know, they start, you know, just because we don't like that truck. Um, yeah, there's safety concerns there. But we can't outlaw it. We just have to figure out how to, you know, there, well, goes, there, there goes my ar- argument for vehicle inspections well, again. But no, I, And I'm, I'm with you, John, but they didn't outlaw the entire Carolina lean squatted truck deal. They just, you can't do it to the extreme to where your headlights are pointed at the sky and you can't see over the hood. Yeah, there, there's not some, there's a some sort of difference. Your front can't right. be lifted so much percentage wise right. or height wise to the exactly. rear. Exactly. And but, I mean, you go back to look at the lead sleds back in the day, they were all tail draggers. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, we're, I mean, I, I'm not a squatted truck fan. I think it's stupid. It's unsafe. It's all it's doing is tearing your truck up. So yeah, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. And I, I hate the government trying to control us on how what we can do to our vehicles and, and and whatnot. But if it becomes a safety issue of my daughter riding next to a squatted truck and the, the tie rod breaks and he runs into her and kills her, then, you know, I'm, I'm pretty pissed about it. So there's one sense where I, I'm totally against rules and regulations. And then there's another side of me where I'm like, yeah, something, you know, something's got to be done. If it's well, done, I think we'll- we've brought it up on the show before. Yeah. That, you know, I don't think any of us are necessarily fans of of rules and regulations and, and certain laws surrounding certain things you can do or can't do with your car. Now, there has to be laws around speed limits, things like that. But when it comes to safety, that's where you don't take any any risks. That's where if you're building these vehicles and you're doing things to modify them, you have to do it with a reasonable understanding of the safety of that vehicle. Once it is done, once it's completed and it's driving on the road. And that's the big thing here is, is these guys got to understand that you can't be driving down the road, looking at the sky and the top of the trees and think, you know, where you're going and what's in front of you. I mean, somebody walks out in front of you, you're going to run some little kid over, you know, that's, it's just not, it's not safe. There's a, uh, and I agree with you, Will, there's, there's a difference there. Safety is one thing. And then some of the certain laws and, and regulations are another, but when it comes to safety, that is an absolute, you know, line in the sand that you shouldn't cross. Do you think there'll ever be a limit on horsepower i wonder because i mean there are some serious cars out there with some major horsepower and not everybody should be driving you know something like that i don't i think they're they're, they may try to do something but how are they gonna 
how are they going to stop you from you taking your Corvette and adding another 800 horsepower to mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. You know, and then how are they going to regulate that? They're going to make you go put it on the dyno and prove, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and also t- nowadays with the technology we have, you can just flip a switch and go from 1200 horsepower to 600 horsepower. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, even if they do try to regulate it, there's, there's already way many ways to, to migrate around that. I right. can see that brings, that brings us to a point. We need to do our follow-up episode on the EPA thing we haven't done yet, which the right. laws that the EPA are trying to reinterpret to do exactly what Will just talked about. Yeah. I think but you're going to... I'm a member of SEMA people. The yeah. RPM Act is going to kill it. We, um, what I want to say, we will see, I think, limits on horsepower. You'll see it come out of the EU, kind of the way they have a limit on top speed. You know, no car can go over 155 miles an hour and they're all electronically governed to that. I think, you you know, Lotus has got the new Ajiva coming out with 2,000 horsepower. Um, there's there's eventually got to be, the manufacturer is going to have to eventually say that's enough or the government's going to have to say that's enough. For Will's side, aftermarket modifying, unless we get to that kind of the, the some of this EPA stuff that, you know, if it has a VIN number, you can't. You know, you can't change the tire size, let alone, you know, the door locks on it. Um, that's the only way they're going to be able to prevent that. But like Will says, are we going to you're going to get your car inspected every 30 days just to make sure you haven't reprogrammed the ECU, etc.? Because that's all it comes down to now for getting, you know, buckets of horsepower is just the, the tune. I don't know if it's related or unrelated, but I, I'm anxious to see what. Europe does because aren't they supposed to go all electric by 2023 or 2025 something like that 2026 I think all okay. all new vehicles sold are supposed to be zero emission mm. that doesn't necessarily mean electric but everybody interprets it as electric hmm. uh, now that's and, interesting for I mean maybe not for me but a guy that the Ferrari people the 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 Lamborghini people I mean it's going to be anxious to see where there's those cars even go from this well, point they're already going that way. I mean, mm-hmm. Lamborghini just introduced their first hybrid drivetrain. A lot of the Ferraris out there now have hybrid drivetrains. The new, um, oh, I want to say the P8, but is it the P8 from Ferrari? I can't remember. The latest iteration of whatever. It's a hybrid drivetrain. It's got more power than the million-dollar uh, Porsche 918 from a couple of years ago with three electric motors and a gasoline motor and fastest ferrari ever sold and it's it's pushing 800 or 900 horsepower and it's not going to be they're transitioning their people is what they're doing so that when they go full full electric or full zero emission um what is it zero tailpipe emission because they've modified that now to zero tailpipe emission uh it's i know that doesn't really affect the you know when you bring in ferrari and lamborghini it doesn't affect most people but I think the reason those people buy those cars is for the sound and for the, you know, the it's for a feel, it's for a feel and such. But you know they've managed to move them all to uh, flappy paddle gearboxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clarkson likes to say, and they can always electronically produce the sounds. Um, and that's honestly, 
I think a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the cars you sit in, a lot of the performance cars you sit in, the engine sound you hear inside the car is coming through the speakers and not necessarily through the engine or the exhaust. Um, it's just, again, one of those where we're going to get there and it's you're going to wake up one day and it's going to be that. And you're going to know, how did we get here? And that's because we didn't pay attention to all the little hints and subtleties that they're doing. Um, you know, everybody I know that has a uh, Porsche Taycan loves it because it sounds like the Jetsons. So here, here we are, you know, now you don't want the Porsche flat yeah. six sound. You want to sound like, you know, what is it? George and his boy Elroy going, going to school. So Yeah. The other night, Nicholas was up at the uh, Sonic drive-in and we pulled up next to him and his friends, he was in their Tesla, I think. And I didn't know this, but apparently you can have many different sounds that your car yeah. makes when it pulls away. And it sounded just like the Jetsons car you just mentioned. Yeah. It sounded just like that. That was cool. Well, and there's there's electronic exhaust, aftermarket electronic exhaust systems out there that you can bolt onto your even even onto your internal combustion cars that you can program and they hook right to the you know computer, the ECU in the car, and they read the rev count, you know, the RPMs and everything in the engine so that what's coming out of the speaker at the back sounds like it matches what the car is doing. It's insane and and you can mm -hmm. pick what sound you want there's we've talked about it on the show before once i think there was like you could pick like a bmw you could pick a corvette there were various cars that you could pick what the sounds were going to be yeah see the old car stereo person in me all of a sudden wants my car to sound like metallica going down the road or something <laughs> but we're are we are at an hour and 10 guys so we probably should cut it here because we don't get the 10 minutes of editing out Derek's ums and ahs and oohs and whatever. So, hey, I'm going to guess it, that I did not do that bad tonight because I've been watching myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to, I didn't know what, I, after Mr. McCrane, McCrane, McGrave last night, I'm sorry, I don't remember offhand, but uh, I was like, wow, how am I going to, how am I even going to come close to following that guy's steps? That was a fabulous guest. He had a lot of neat things going on. Um, but what I thought about sharing, if I, throw that out there was something i've done over the last since probably about 2010 or 12 is is uh, volunteering at the different places it started at barber motorsports park down in birmingham uh going there every year and volunteering at the um what well, was american Le Mans series at the time uh the different races they had down there um and then later becoming turn nine members out there at the barber and then i had talked to the folks over at the Corvette Museum one time uh, recently about maybe going up there and doing stuff, but there's a lot of stuff that some folks can get into in the car hobby that you guys are all pillars of the community of, of the automotive community. And, um, but someone may listen to a podcast or think, well, well, gosh, I'm so far removed from that, but you're really not. Cause if you go volunteer at some of these places, um, you can really get in and meet some interesting people uh, you get to see firsthand a lot of stuff that goes on that some of the people that spend hundreds of dollars for a weekend at one of these races don't get to see. Um, but anyway, I had sent you a picture earlier, just, just a few minutes ago, John, um, uh, in your email, I was going to, I was going to yeah. touch on it just briefly. Um, when I was working at Barber one weekend, um, Dana came down to visit. We were, was at the American Le Mans series race that was down there. And I don't know what year it was, but anyway, I, I was working right there at the track where the um, 
the cars come off and they give me a radio and they would tell me if the cars had to go to, you know, the scales or if they had to go to the paddock or wherever they had to go. And that was my job. So I'm standing there and Dana come up to talk to me for a few minutes. That's my wife. And, um, while I'm standing there talking to Dana, I'm like, well, you got to watch out. The cars are coming through, whatever. Uh, but I'm literally, I mean, literally like 10 feet from the track because where they're coming off and turning. And so this car rips up and he goes, hey, how are you? Good to see you again. And then Dana's like, oh, great. How are you? She goes, leans on the car, starts talking to the guy and they start chatting away and doing their little thing. And I'm like, after he left, I'm like, I'm sorry. Did I, did I miss something? <laughs> it was Patrick Dempsey. And uh, I was like, do you know Patrick Dempsey? <laughs> And she's like, well, I don't know, but I was up in the paddock area and I was admiring his car. So he picked me up and put me in there. And so I thought, well, well, that's interesting. Did you know who Patrick Dempsey is? And I know it's some guy was some race car guy. And I said, well, he's, you know, Dr. McDreamy from Gray's Anatomy or whatever. And she's like, that's the same guy. What's he doing racing cars? And it was just a funny story because I thought, you know, uh, th- you can meet some interesting people there. You know, like I mentioned, going to the race in Birmingham you know, and uh, meeting, not really meeting, but just casual passing, you know, Mario Andretti. And and uh, I've met Patrick Long a bunch of times. That is a super guy um, that races for Porsche. Um, Boris said he was a colorful character. I've met him many, many times. And, um, but anyway, uh, I, there's all kinds of opportunities. Yeah, that, yeah so actually she, she handed him her uh, phone and he took her picture. And unfortunately, I didn't get a picture of the two of them together, but he just picked her up and put her in the car. And uh, so <laughs> I thought that was funny, but you can, you can really do a lot of things in the car hobby that, you know, don't really yeah. cost you a lot of money and you can help out in the long run. Everything's obtainable. And I, I, I'll be honest. I didn't realize you were a member of the turn nine club. You know, obviously I spent a lot of time there for years at, at Barber too. And, you know, for what do they charge for that now? A hundred bucks a year or something. Uh, and well, we got the family plan. It was, yeah, I don't even remember what it was really. Whatever it is, but you get to go down and you get to have, you know, lunch provided by, oh, yeah. you know, and that, and eat, you know, eat in the museum and eat in, you know, kind of a back area. But you're also eating with all the VIP guests that the museum has. And, you know, you can stumble across, you know, you know, Alan DeCatney has been in there before. Uh, Surtees, when, when he was alive, yeah, it wasn't un- uncommon to bump into him and, you know, this it's it, like you said it, it's very obtainable um and volunteering anywhere whether it be the national corvette museum or barbers or mustang museum of america down the road or in, anything all these places are looking for volunteers and you get a little you know inside the scenes stuff mm-hmm. um you know i don't know who has got a volunteer program but and those kind of places could really use the help too i mean uh, they're staffed of course but when they have their special events on the weekends, when normally their normal 25 or 30 people that work there can't handle thousands of people coming in, it's nice to help out and do your part in the end. And I know what Barber specifically is, if the race is divided up into like six shifts for the weekend to each day, if you just work like two shifts, you they give you all access for the entire weekend. And it's really, it's really nice. So Jennifer put together a really good plan when mm-hmm. she took that over. I'll, I'll give I give her a lot of props. I mean, I don't yeah, talk badly. About, I don't talk badly about too much barbers, and that when I do, I'm not usually in front of a microphone. So, <laughs> but we are what one one fifteen ish into this now, and um, 
I think it's it's been great having you on, Jason. We have covered Thanks. a lot of things and had you know you you know you emailed me this afternoon and what are we going to talk about? It doesn't matter. And you don't have to worry about one up in the last mm-hmm. guest. I mean, yeah. we've had some big names on here that eh, maybe we shouldn't have. <laughs> and some of our you know, yeah, some of our unknowns have come you know come out to be stars for it. Right. Um, I will say we had Farah on about a year ago. I can't remember what episode it was, but he finally, and I don't, you know, I guess I don't plug his podcast too often. He finally had his dad on a very recent episode of the smoking tire. And if you don't know, his dad is one hell of a businessman is, and has worked for some billionaires. And I think um, Matt said during the show, this little midget billionaire designer, um, I think he likes horses and the sport polo. Um, his dad used to be um, president of that company. One of the best business podcasts I've listened to in a long time. So don't 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 sacrifice your subscription to No Driving Gloves to go you know subscribe to the uh, Smoking Tire, but go over and listen to that and listen to him to interview. I think it's Roger Farah. Um, fabulous, fabulous episode. And you know I give you know I give people props when they deserve it. But well, I got to tell you something that really the reason I kept listening and listening, listening to this podcast is that everybody is real. Everybody. Uh, I listened to you guys for a long time before I realized the capacity that you guys were in and in, in your professional life, uh, careers. And uh, you know, nobody ever really speaks down on anybody and you, I'm not talking about guests or anything. I'm talking about, um, you know, you talk, you listen to some podcasts and you might as well, I mean, they're just speaking way above, you know, the average listener, I think. Well, and I think everybody brings something to the table here. We just say, you know, this is like if all three of us were in a bar and you walked in and you heard us chat in cars, you joined mm-hmm. in. And, you know, there's a lot of our podcasts are playing just as well as tonight's was. Sure. With you. Yeah. Just um, sitting there at the bar doing rainbow racks. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> yeah, you you would. I'm I'm a totally different person after four or five rainbow racks. <laughs> And that's not because I'm flopping on the floor. <laughs> but, you know, there were many nights from Mulligans that the bartender drove me home because. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys need to organize some sort of trip where everybody can come together, listen to the podcast, and everybody takes a day trip somewhere. Or I, mean, I know everybody's busy with their families and their jobs and everything, but it would be kind of neat to have a no driving gloves tour about once a year, you know, somewhere. Whatever. We've talked about that, and we were, I would say, we were doing plans last year, and then, you know, this little guy named uh, Corona popped up and really put a kibosh on a lot of that stuff last year, and I'm glad, you know, Derek and I said a couple of weeks ago, we're really glad to see all these shows starting again and, you know, all this activity happening. We probably won't do the No Driving Gloves Tour this year, but we we plan to get out some, and uh, you don't know, yeah. Why not? Yeah. yeah, I mean, we we really we we really wanted to do something with Will earlier this year, and not to say that we won't do it later on in this year. So, but I say we do it November. Meet up at Big Oak and go cruise through um, Little River Canyon. Sounds good. Hey, Sorry, I was going to come to Big Oak anyway because I'm uh just just south of Muscle Shoals, so I need to check out a. Uh, Will's garage over there. Yeah, you're not far. A couple hours away. I'll do, I'll do it. Now, see, I've always wanted to come up your way and do kind of the music tour. 
So mm-hmm. and see the studios and things like that. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to do. Uh, Mountain Brook Driving Club just did their uh, covered bridge tour uh, uh, on Saturday. So there's a lot of things we can do in Alabama. And we've talked about, I'm actually in talks with a previous guest, one of the little side projects about trying to organize some some tours. I worked um, for Jeff Stone for years, and I did not know that he was the same guy that did um, The Great Race with Corky Coker. I had no <laughs> idea that was the same. I never, never knew it. it I should have known when both his sons are named after cars when he would come in the office, but I, I didn't. That's another fun weekend, but I can't remember if it's happened this year or not. Has Coker done his thing yet this year, Will? I know it's not Coker doing they it anymore. They didn't have it. They didn't have it? Okay. Yeah. Put that what, on your... What uh, what the thing Coker Cruise cruise in? Oh, yeah, where they shut shut down Chattanooga downtown, and they they don't do it downtown anymore. They that kind of too many people. But show. they are, <laughs> but they are the, the the Chattanooga Motor Car Festival is happening this year. Yeah, that is the concourse, old. right? The concourse is that what that is? The Chattanooga it's it's not quite a concourse. It's it's just a as they say, the motor car festival there, okay. it's, it's kind of all a, a Goodwood uh, revival somewhat. They've got mm. a, a track and um, they're doing some cool things and uh, we'll be there with some Corvettes. So, well, I'm going to go ahead and push this little button over here and uh, been great again, having you uh, Jason tonight. Thank you. Uh, yeah, good was, having you, Jason. A, thank you. I was glad to be a part of it tonight. Good to meet you, Jason. You too, Will. Nice to meet you. Thank you for listening, and remember to look us up at nodrivinggloves.com. There you can find back episodes, links to products we recommend, and links to all of our social media. Be sure to tell a friend about us. No Driving Gloves is edited and produced by J. Lewis Productions. Uh-huh.